0: This is here when we're talking about being better together. It's, it's about going from me to we. And as we talk about the fact that husband and wife are better together, we're, we're following with that very same concept and principle that it's got to go from me to we. What does God do? He takes one man and one woman, he joins them together. And when God joins them together, if one of them is saying, hey, it's still all about me, this we ain't going to work. It's got to go from being about me and mine to so we and ours and us and together working this through. And there's such a great blessing that comes when a husband and wife understand that what they have together is a great gift. And a husbands and wives, you're better together. Your life is better together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it tells it straight. It explains clearly why it is a husband and wife are better together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I believe it's in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And this is Christian marriage, a threefold cord. So when a godly man enters into a covenant relationship with a godly woman in marriage. It's not just a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman joined in the midst of Christ Almighty. The Lord God is with them. And that three-court strand is not easily broken. Thanks be to God. And that's what we're talking about. talking about how this works. And today we're going to understand that husband and wife are, are to be different. And, and your differences make you better together. Again, remember what Jesus said in quoting uh Genesis in Matthew 19, he said, Have you not read, speaking to uh, the 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 words of Genesis, that when that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be and hold to his uh, to his wife and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer uh, two, but one flesh, where therefore God is joined together. Let men not separate. This is a divine gift from God. God joins us together. This is a, a union that is provided by the providence of God. If you're sitting next to your husband or your wife right now, understand that it was not by chance. That was providentially orchestrated, that the Lord God would bring you together. And it's so important that you appreciate and honor him for the gift that he's given to you. Just because it's a gift, it doesn't mean it's easy. But what it does mean is that He is worthy of praise, and it's meant to be cultivated. And we want to talk about what that looks like, because a man is a man for a reason, and a woman is a woman for a reason. And if they're both the same, one becomes unnecessary, right? And so they're meant by God to be different and to come together and to complement, not with an I, but an E, to complement one another. And when these differences are seen in our text today. and What we'll understand, and what I want you to catch here, is that the husband is to be like Christ, he needs to be the head. And the wife is like the, the church, to be the body. And so if you've got your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 5. Hannah McNabb is going to to, to read for us. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word as she makes her way to the stage. Again, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one of the rack right in front of you. I, go ahead and use it. And if you don't have a Bible, take it home. We've got more. We'll replace that. We're in Ephesians 5, and Hannah, if you would read for us verses 22 through 30. Wives, submit to your own husbands, ask the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherishes it just as Christ as the church, because we are members of his body. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, hand if you would go ahead and be seated. God made men and women differently with unique abilities. I'm not going to talk about what culture teaches today. I'm just going to teach very plainly what the Word of God teaches. And, and if you don't agree with it, um, please don't 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 feel really the need to argue with me, but if, I have any, uh, if you have any questions, I'm always glad to, to answer those, but I, I rarely engage in debates in social media or in email. Always glad for an m M&M and conversation. You bring the bag, I'll eat it. We'll talk about whatever you want to, right? Uh, but, you know, understand that what, what, what I'm tasked with today and what we're going to do is so we're just going to simply look at the Word of God. See, God made a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman, and there's differences there by design. Now, those differences, does not mean that there is a difference in value? Both are worthy, worthy of the love of God. And God says to men and women, I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. Not because you're a man, not because you're a woman, but because you've been made in the image of God and God has chosen to love us and in loving us has died for us, and in dying for us has redeemed us, and in redeeming us gives us new life, a life that is filled with His presence for all of eternity. So there is no difference in terms of God's God's value of us. We read this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 20, 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male uh, and female. For You all are one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Please understand, there is not a, a male gospel and a female gospel. There is simply the gospel. One of the concerns I have from time to time is when churches get so caught up in having a women's thing and a men's thing, I just want to make sure we all understand there is not a female gospel and a male gospel. There is the gospel. Now, where instruction is good for for uh, women and for men is in how to live out those unique roles that God has given. But for any who is saved, listen, we're all saved the same way. I mean, I, remember the three circles. Remember, we don't have a pink version and a blue version of this, all right? We have just this ugly, UT orange version that we use. And it's good for everyone because it speaks to the fallenness of the world, and I think that's why they use that color. But I digress. God's design is what He made us for. He made us men and women. And remember, God put Adam in there, and from His rib He created this woman. And remember, I don't know if you know the Hebrew on this. We have an English kind of reverse, verse, and there's man, and then there's whoa, man, right? And in Hebrew, it's similar. the The, the Hebrew word for man is Ish, and it, it appears that when Adam saw Eve, Eve he he looked and saw Ish, and then he looked at the rest of her and said, Ah. Oh. And so now it's esha oh. So there's a difference. There's a man and a woman. But remember how sin entered the world. It wasn't when Eve ate the apple. That's not when the curse happened. See, Eve ate because Adam wasn't being the leader God made him to be. He should have taken that fruit and thrown it away and killed that snake when he had the chance. But instead he was passive. And his passivity led to, his lack of leadership led to the fall of humanity in this world. See, the curse didn't occur until after Adam ate the apple because Adam is the responsible head. And so, sin entered the world because of a lack of leadership on behalf of men. That does not now relinquish men from responsibility. We have just a harder responsibility because sin has entered the world and there's now brokenness. Now, any man or woman who will repent of self sufficiency and rather than saying, I can figure out my own life on my own, but rather says, I need Christ to forgive me. I need God to live in me. I need a new life in Him and believe that the power of the gospel does that. They become free to recover and pursue and recover God's design. Whether male or female, we're all equal under the authority of Jesus Christ, but we are different. Now, I, like the, I like the way that J.H. Joder said this. He talks about the, the difference between equality and identity. He says equality of worth is not identity of role. We who are saved, both men and women, are, are by God's grace made worthy of the blood of Christ. When God looks at us, He doesn't say, "Oh, I saved you because you're a man or because you're a woman." He says, "No, I saved you by grace and mercy, and that love comes to all who believe." But there is a distinction in having in Him having made us as a man or as a woman. There is a difference. There's a physical difference. And I don't just mean physiologically, but also mean in the physical responsibilities between a man and a woman. You may remember in Aurora, Colorado, some time back there was a shooting in a movie theater. And there were men there who were laying their bodies over the top of, of women to protect them. And it was celebrated. There were even young men who were on their first or second date who who Took that young lady that had been given, uh, they'd been given responsible for, and, and going out with this young lady, and laid over the top, and, and many of those young men were killed because the bullets pierced them, but and, and that young lady was saved. and those young men were rightly, and those men were rightly celebrated as heroes because they were basically doing what God designed them to do—to protect, to protect women with their physical strength to provide that one which was made weaker physically. But understand, women, that doesn't mean that you're not weak in terms of constitution. You are strong, and your protective sense is just as important. Uh, we're praying for a, a, a woman who's pregnant right now, She's several months pregnant, just discovered she has cancer. And she's refusing to have treatment until that baby is born healthy. And she's willing to give her life for that child. Don't tell me women are weak. I don't believe it for a man. There is a physical strength to men, and it requires a responsibility to be protective and, and, and provisionary. And there's also a strength in women, and they too are to provide a protection, but it's different. And when it doesn't happen, even today, there's still today, there's a culture that cries out that, that it's inappropriate. And so there was in Italy, you may have heard about the Costa uh, Concordia, it was a boat that sacked. And and even in that that Western European secular culture, there were those who were writing saying that that this was dishonorable. See, the captain and the crew, all male, did not seek to save those who were under their care. Instead, they, they sought their own safety. And there were seen men who were pushing aside, women and children, to pursue boats to save themselves. And amazingly, those in that secular culture were screaming out with indignation at how wrong it was for these men to do that, which is confusing to me because you've got people who are screaming out, "Hey, there's no difference between men and women, but you men are wrong for not doing your job." Friends, the instinct to say that those men was wrong is dead on right because there is, by God's design, a protective responsibility for men of children and women. But there's also still a protective sense within women. I heard recently, it just broke my heart about a situation where a three-year-old, three-year-old, as a young mother, she decided she wanted to, to do what she wanted to do. So she told the child, do not leave this house. Do not answer the door under any circumstances. Ordered a large pizza and left that boy by himself at home for three days. There are some of you moms sitting here right now who are struggling not to go to the nursery right now after 30 minutes and check on your child. And that is a right response in your heart. Let them know they're fine. They're playing. They're fine. Sit back down. They're fine. But when you hear about that, there's something inside of it that says, that woman is wrong. Those men were wrong. Why? Why do we feel that way? Because of God's design. We understand the way God made men and women to be protected, but differently because physically they've been made differently. Uh, there's also there's the reality of the difference between men and women mentally. Yeah, many of you you understand this. Women, it's hard for you to understand, but men have an unbelievably powerful gift to only focus on one thing at a time, and it is a gift. We have this ability to to zone out out of everything else that is going on in the room, no matter how important it may seemingly be to other people, and to focus on one thing. So, ladies, please understand, if we're watching a movie, if a man's watching a movie, if he's watching a ball game, it doesn't matter how loud you speak, we can't hear you, because we're gifted. We are. We have an ability to focus on one thing at a time. It is how God made us. Now, you ladies have a gift that amazes us men. You're like magicians. Because you can listen to multiple things all at the same time and understand everything that's going on. You can be having a conversation on the couch about finances, but know exactly what the children are doing down the hall or upstairs, know whether or not dinner's about to be burned. knowing that you need to switch out the, the, the wet clothes into the dryer to get those things dry, and that the neighbors down the street are having an argument about something silly. You know all of it. All at the same time, you are amazing. And so are we. We're just different. You can focus on it. you're like a body. A body can fill multiple sensory elements at, at the same time. What does a brain do? What does the head do? The head focuses. So it is receiving information from the body, but' it's able to drown out and focus on the priority. And so is it one better than the other? No. Both loved by God, saved by grace, given very different abilities, physically, mentally and emotionally. Men are wired emotionally different than women. We again are gifted. We have this unbelievable ability to feel things and then to choose to stop feeling them. Ladies, I promise you, when you ask us, what are you thinking about? And we say nothing, we mean it. I know it's hard for you to imagine. It just doesn't even compute. When I'm doing uh, premarital counseling, what I do oftentimes is I'll I'll have my iPad and uh, I'll take my iPad and uh, and I'll say, excuse me, I'll say, men are like an iPad. We have a home screen. We don't need an application to be running to be happy. As a matter of fact, we're just fine sitting in neutral. Now, if you want us to open an app, we're glad to open it. You want me to open the sermon app? All right, sermon's there. Great. You want to talk about it? Let's go. You don't want to talk about anything? Okay, good. We'll just go back to nothing. Women are like a PC. Everything's running all at the same time. It's all running, it's all underneath there. Another illustration I use, and I point to my desk, it's usually my office, and I'll say, Ladies, you're like the top of this desk, and men are like. The bottom of the desk, in the bottom of my desk, I have I have different uh, drawers that can be opened, and inside of those drawers there are files. And here's what men can do: we can take a bad experience that happened at work, or sometime in the day, or in the week, or going on in our life, and we can open that file and we can deal with it. But you know, then we can do we can close that file. We can put a title on it. We can open a drawer. We can file it in that drawer. We can close that drawer. We can lock that drawer, and we don't feel anything about it anymore. I mean, it's there. We know it's there. And if you want us to get it out, we'll be glad to get it out. But not all the time because we don't feel like it. But there are times, right? We'll get it out. Now, ladies, you're not like that. It's all on the table. All the time. All the time. And, And those of you who are parents, Jimmy Silver said this years ago, and I believe it with all my heart, a mother is never any happier than her saddest child because it's on the table. Whatever is on the table, that's what she's feeling. And so I tell these guys before they get married, you're marrying a girl. And I make this a very strong emphasis because some of them don't get it. You're marrying a girl. That means that everything that she feels is going to be on the table. And I say to these ladies, you're marrying a guy. No, he doesn't have issues. He just has drawers. And we can open and close them and file them and put them away. And so God made us that way, y'all. He made us male and female. And then he brought us together for a a purpose so that by together, our differences make us better together. Now, our text, it shows us these three things I want to point out to you that that are these distinctive aspects of marriage that make it better together. The first one is this, in marriage, God calls men and women to serve specific roles spiritually, in the family, to bring glory to God, and out and of God's delight and blessing to serve one another, to serve if God gives children, society, and the church. Now, understand, men and women both need love and respect. But hear me, men, women especially need love. They need you to tell them that you love them and why. This whole adage, I actually heard someone say this, and, and, I, and I, I felt the need to correct him even though he was older. I did it with grace. He said, I told my wife when I married I loved her, and I told her if anything changes, I'll let her know. That does not make for a healthy marriage, my friends. And that's when you got to come talk to me, and it's not fun, so don't, right? Listen, guys, she needs to know that you love her and why. You need to, at any moment, to be called on the carpet to be able to tell your wife why you love her and how much you love her. If you don't have that in your back pocket, get it done before the service is over, all right? Now, ladies, I gonna tell you, your husbands need your love, but more than that, they especially need your respect. If men don't feel that they are respected, it doesn't work for them. Men and women both need love and respect, but women especially need to know that they are loved. And men need to know especially that they are respected. And when that doesn't happen, it messes everything else up. Men, if your wife does not know that she is loved by you, she will seek that love in another way. It may not result in an affair, but that's where most affairs come from. She may put the love that she needs for you, she may put that responsibility on a child. And now need that child to meet her love need that was meant to be met by you as her husband, which creates unhealthy children. Ladies, if you will not respect him, it's going to mess other things up. And so he might find the need to go and work extra hours at work and get and get um, um, you know titles and, and salaries and bonuses and appreciation because and, and put all that energy rather into you into the marriage into those things. Why? Because he needs respect. And and, and God forbid if there's a a woman at that workplace who suddenly gives him the respect that he wants and needs, and he finds that attractive. And friends, that's where affairs come from. It comes from men being respected by women and shown it by women that are not their their wife, and by women who are not being loved by their husbands who are being shown love in a way that is very tender and important to them by another man. That's where it comes from. You got to protect your marriage. And the way you protect it is by providing what she needs. Man, she needs love. She needs to hear about it. She needs to see it. She needs to feel it. She needs to explain to her. Ladies, he needs respect. And what's amazing, when a man loves a woman it frees her up, she's free to go be a CEO or a teacher. She's free to be a stay-at-home mom. She's free to be a, 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 a wife that stays home and provides for that home. She's free. Because she knows she's loved. She doesn't have to go and get those love needs addressed in another way. She's free just to pursue whatever it is God has called her to do. She can serve in the church. She can serve in, in, in the community. Ladies, go and, and, and together. Husbands, go read Proverbs 31 and look at what it looks like when a woman feels loved. How it liberates her. To, to step into commerce, to, to provide for the family, to provide, to provide respect and the, and the freedom for our husband to pursue what he's responsible for in culture and in the family. It's a beautiful picture. And ladies, when you respect him, it frees him up to pursue his calling, his vocational calling, his personal calling as a man, as a husband, as a friend, and as a father. And then you guys, and yeah, their husbands, what? Go and read First Timothy three. Look at that description of an overseer, of, of what kind of man God uses to provide oversight to a, a congregation or a deacon, to provide service to a congregation. The confidence for a man to do that in many ways comes from Christ who calls and Christ to love. But when a husband feels the respect of his wife, it gives him the confidence to step up and step out and do what he's called to do. Love and respect. Wives and husbands need both, but wives especially need love. And men especially need respect. In marriage, second so thing, catch this. In marriage, God calls men and women to compliment each other. That's not with an I, that's with an E. It is good to say nice things about each other. So... Do complement each other, but what I'm talking about here is a complementary view of marriage. To complement is to be different and to provide what the other needs. It's to complement, to be that strength for the other. Complementarianism in marriage, it's like dancing. It's like dancing. You're, you're together, you're doing it together, but one has to lead and the other has to follow. Complementarianism the husband is the head, he is to lead, and the body is to follow. It's it's like in an airplane there's a pilot and a co pilot, both have the physical and mental capacities to to, to take the lead. But the pilot is in the lead, the husband is the head, he's got the steering, he is responsible. Now, that helper is there in any needs, but together they're flying this together, they're better together. Let me tell you what, it's not. Complementarianism is not like the military. It is not a husband barking out orders to a person who is who is simply to salute and, and, and do as told. That is not marriage. That is not God's view. It is not like the workplace where he's the boss and and she's got to do and she's only as, nece- as 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 necessary as he is effective. That is not biblical marriage. The complementarian view of marriage. Is the head is responsible and the body is responsible and they're responsible together for the whole of the of the the good of the whole as they each fulfill their roles. Now there is a difference between complementarianism and egalitarianism. It's important that we understand the difference. Complementarianism versus egalitarianism on a view on marriage. Complementarian view of marriage is this: men and women are both of equal intrinsic value before God and are also both of equal value and importance within the marriage. However, they are understood to have different complementary roles or functions with the husband serving as the leader in the family. That's all it is. He's the head. He's responsible. She's the body. She is communicating always with the head, because women know things that men can't. There's a limit to what the mind is able to focus on, so the body is sending information. But the head is responsible to make the decision. He's, still, he's responsible. Because there's a distinction. Now, the egalitarian view, on the other hand, focuses on equality within marriage without distinct roles based on gender. Sorry. I appreciate I have dear friends who are egalitarians, but we disagree. And I just can't do the gym, biblical gymnastics required to be able to say there's not a difference. Everything inside of us says that there is, even amongst the seculars, there is a difference between a man and a woman. There's a difference in that role, and both roles are needed and necessary. Here's how we describe it in our statement of faith. Living Hope has a statement of faith. We have a membership covenant. And here's how we describe in in, um, section 6, man. We believe that God created man in his own image, making men and women with distinct qualities and roles yet equal in dignity how we describe it. It's how the Bible describes it. How do we describe family? Uh, section 13, we believe that God has ordained marriage to be the union of one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant, as they submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands are called to love and lead their wives as Christ loved the church. And look at this. Wives are called to respect and submit to their husbands. Again, what does a husband need? Respect. What does the wife need? Especially love. Submit to their husbands as the church submits to Jesus. Children from the moment of conception are blessings from God, and, and parents bear the primary responsibility of training them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, you have these two who are equal before Christ, but different. There's different roles in procreation. Different roles. Both are needed. Different roles. In, in child bearing. Ladies, you are alone capable of carrying that child. We can't do it. Truth is, we wouldn't do it because we're wimps. God made you strong. What are we there for? We're there to cheer you on. Go. Go, girl, go. And to listen to, you know, all that, that you say as you going through pain. Guys, please, if you stub your toe, don't ever compare that to your wife giving birth. As a matter of fact, don't compare it to anything because you get us all into trouble. Just sit it. We don't know. God didn't make us to know. Leave it be. There are roles. Men and women, there are roles, they're different, but both are necessary. And even in child rearing. Listen, you're better together, husband and wife, you're better parents together. Because here's what you know Mom, wife, you know how little girls think, don't you? You know what they're up to, you know all their tricks. And mamas know things about little girls that daddies don't know. Daddies just go through the world thinking, she's the most precious, kind, loving thing. She would never do anything wrong. And the mother says, you are blind. Daddies know about boys. And mamas, when boys come over, they're like, oh, he's such a he handsome young fella. He's so smart. He's so great." And the husbands go, uh-huh. And we look at him. You know why? Because we know what they're thinking about all the time. We know what they want to do all the time. That's why we have weapons. Women have weapons. Men have weapons. And we are to use those as moms and dads to protect our children. You're better together. You're different for a purpose, for a reason. God made you that way celebrate the difference. It's meant to complement the other. Last thing is this. This is so important. In marriage, God calls men and women to model the gospel. And this may be the most important thing that a marriage does. See, the entire process leading up to marriage and the marriage itself is a picture of the gospel. See, like Christ, no, no, don't, don't miss this. Like Christ, the man pursues, proposes, and then provides the means for life that they live happily ever after. That's what Christ has done for us. Christ pursued us to save us. He, He proposed that we have eternal life with Him and He has provided everything necessary, the atonement for our sin through His death and resurrection, that we can have life in Him. He's made it all possible. Now, there is a difference between the marriage process today versus biblical times. In today's culture, what happens is a young man sees a girl and begins to pursue her. He gets permission to to take her responsibility for her, to take her out, and is responsible for her while they're out to her father, to her parents. If that young man feels that, that this is the one God's called him to, his responsibility is to go to the father, to the parents, and to ask permission. And here's what you're asking, young men. You're asking that dad, that parent, for the opportunity to take the responsibility for her that that parent, that that dad once had. What you're asking for is responsibility. And that's what God made you to do, is to be responsible. So in almost every marriage ceremony I have that I perform, I have typically, when possible, when available, when there, the father, bring down the bride. And there's a moment when I say, "Who gives this bride to be this, to be married to this one, to this man?" It, and, the, and the, let me say that right, I ask, "Who gives this bride to be married to this man?" and the father will say, "Her mother and I." And in that moment, he takes her hand and places it in his hand, and what he's saying is, "I'm giving you responsibility for her." And what I've learned in that moment is that Dad and I don't make eye contact during that moment. Otherwise, we cry and it's embarrassing. So I look down and, and think about sports and stuff, and then we go on, having dealt with the emotion of that. But, but, men, that's what you're doing, young men. Those of you who've been pursue marriage, are, that, that's what you're doing. You're taking responsibility for her. Now, in biblical times, it was different. Interestingly, in biblical times, there would be a pursuit and a proposal, but then there would actually be a time when they, when they would be betrothed. And in that time, that young man was already given responsibility legally for her, even though the marriage had not yet been consummated and finalized. So you think about when Jesus was born, go back to the, the Matthew birth narrative, Matthew 2, and remember it said that, that, that Joseph and Mary were betrothed. But she still had to go to Bethlehem with him for the senses because he was now responsible for her. That's more of what we experience of God. He pursues us, he proposes to us, and we become legally his. But there's still a marriage, there's still a wedding day that's to come. We read about it in Revelation. Revelation nineteen, look what it says in verse seven. On this day when it's consummated, let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. This is when the church comes to be in the presence of, of Christ, with Christ forever. It's the consummation of faith. All things are made new. Again, uh, the verse, uh, what is this? Uh, verse 21. Consummate a marriage, it is a new life. And so it is when Christ returns, our marriage as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, will be finalized and consummated, and then there will be new life. This is the plan of God. This is the picture of God. Now, let me ask you, those of you who are single, are you remaining pure? to Present yourself as the gift God intended for that spouse that God has designed for you. If not, you need to repent. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. Oh, well, I was. If you're living in sin and you're living in it comfortably, you have every reason to, to have a lack of assurance. I can't judge your heart, but I'm telling you if you're living in sexual sin, you are far from. God. And you are destroying the design of God. And you're robbing not only yourself, but that one God has planned for you. You need to today to repent. You also, for those of you who are many faithful, you need to ask for strength. I was reading Psalm of Psalms this week, Psalm of Psalms chapter four. The last of the chapter, the young lady is asking for her young lady friends to hold her accountable, that she will be pure for her husband. Pray that God will give you accountability straight to remain sure. If you are married, serve your role to the glory of God. Our understanding you both have the same dignity before Christ, but a different role. And don't be surprised that you struggle. Don't be surprised that there's hardships, that there's hang ups, that there's difficulties. You're different. Often sin will be uh, uh, the culprit because of pride. Humble yourselves forgive one another and pray for strength. And then today if you if you have children, grandchildren, pray for them. I I didn't suggest this the first service, but many fathers brought their children to the altar and prayed over them. Parents feel free to do that today. Feel free to come and ask God's blessing on this holy gift that God has given to you in your life and in theirs. us stand standing as we pray. Father, this um this this calling to be husband and the wife, you know, it it always works and it's better when they're together. And it, it requires mercy from you because we are selfish, sinful creatures and we need your mercy and then to give mercy, to give what the other does not deserve, because you have you have been so merciful to us. Lord, we need your strength. There are young people here today who need your strength to remain faithful some that need to give their life to you, some who, who make a uh, mistake and sin. I pray today that they will know that they, they may not be able to undo that and there's consequences to that, but Lord God, you can make them whole and right at your sight, and they can pursue and recover your design for their life. It's not over. You still have a plan. May they today have peace in that and ask you to bless that. Bless these marriages, Lord God. Bless these families. Bless these in their roles and responsibilities, that they might fulfill your design and receive, God, the good things that you give to husband and wife who are better together. We ask this in the name of Jesus.